Welcome back to Brooklands and this edition of The Track. My name's Tim Morris. The Brooklands members organise a fantastic series of events throughout the year. Uh, one of our guests earlier this year was Paddy Hopkirk, and uh, we were sad to hear of his recent passing. More recently, uh, we featured Steve Parrish and Charlie Borman. And in this edition of the track, uh, we head back to August and that event uh, where Charlie begins by talking about his school days and his early film career, meeting Barry Sheen and his godfather, Lee Marvin. Then in the second half, Charlie uh, tells us how he got into motorbikes in the first place and uh, how he met Ewan McGregor. I was just following you in, and I just realised that you're the motorcycle racer, and I'm the one hobbling. Well, we, yeah, the, I, I did. The thing. I must admit, Charlie, I do hobble, but probably not quite as much as you. But in <laughs> fairness, we did hobble down there, and I've noticed one or two people hobbling around tonight. I think there's there is some correlation, maybe, with motorbikes and hobbling <laughs> well, to a certain. Someone extent. told me once that if you're not crashing. You're not trying. Exactly right, so, yeah. I don't know who said that. No, but... It's not, it's not true. Probably Mark you know. Marquez. It's better to stay, yeah. Mark Marquez. The rubber band. Yeah, possibly. That's anyway, Charlie, exciting. absolute treat to have you here tonight. Thank you very, very much for coming along. I know you're a very busy man. Um, I normally start these chats with a sort of chronological form because I forget where I am if we don't do it that way around. And I think you're a little bit the same. We're both a little dyslexic, I think is the word, is it? Yeah. Just a touch. Well, my, my, my head, I remember I was leaving... I was 16, 17, 16, and I was um, uh, leaving my boarding school, which was a dyslexic school called Sinford oh, School. Right. And he, anyway, so, so, and I was leaving early, so I was going to do my exams in Paris while I, while I was making this movie. And, uh, and the headmaster asked me in, and he said, look, Charlie, he said, you know, let's, quite frankly, he said, listen, um, if you're thinking about coming back for sixth form, he said, you're not welcome here. <laughs> 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 so that was that. <laughs> got, it, got it straight. So, Charlie Borman, uh, and I have done a, f- a few checks up on you. Born in Wimbledon and then spent a lot of your youth in Dublin, right? In, 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 Ireland. in Ireland. Yeah. yeah I, I, well, I don't know how many of you know, my father is a, a, a guy called John Borman who directed films like Hope and Glory and Excalibur and Emerald Forest and uh, also Point Blank um, and, and stuff like that. And my father, um, he... Uh, so uh, he had four children, um, and, and, um, and so whenever, whenever there was a part for a, for a kid in the movie, he said, don't um, pay for any actors, just use my children, they're free. So, uh, so that's, why, that's why I did that. And the first film I was... Has anyone seen um, a film called Deliverance here? Well, <clears throat> I wasn't the banjo player, just, just so you know. <laughs> well, the one with, had the pretty face... Um, uh, I think he so was getting a fee and keeping it, actually. It was, well, well I, I, but he, so he said to me, look, Charlie, if you sit on that sofa with that bloke, I'll give you a tricycle. I mean, these days that just sounds so wrong, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, um, so I sat on this, on this sofa and, and, and it was John Voigt. So I played at the very end of the movie. John Voigt comes back to his wife after this horrific experience. And... Um, he sees his little boy and his wife there and, and stuff. And, and, and so, but I was quite shy at the time and, um, and I wouldn't look in the right place. So my father had to get one of the cameramen to, to hold up the tricycle behind the camera. And he'd move the tricycle 
to where my eyes should be. So I just followed this tricycle. And I will never forget the tricycle. It was a cherry red tricycle with yellow flames on the front, um, on the front, on the front mudguard. And it had the tassels. <laughs> well, funny show. We have all the way from Ireland tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but but so, so, and, and I suppose that's... And then I just followed my father around the world making movies. So we lived in Ireland. <clears throat> I mean, with three siblings, with my three sisters and my and, and my mum, and and we, um, and then wherever. So we would spend two or three years in in Ireland, and then Dad would get a movie, and we'd go down to the South Pacific, or we'd go down to um, South Carolina, or LA, or you know wherever the film was made, and 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 we would go and we'd sort of hang out there for a year or so. So that's how the sort of film industry kind of came. And then I was always in his movies, um, and then um, and then I I made a film called The Emerald Forest. Where, which I had the lead role in, so I had to sleep with my father for 17 years to get the part. But uh, that's definitely not. You shouldn't talk about that. I shouldn't talk about that. No, I know. Well, it scarred me for a long time. But um, but anyway, so and then that film, and that was in the 80s, 84, that came out, and that was very successful, and, and it kind of launched my my acting career, um, <clears throat> which which you know didn't go massively well. <laughs> I mean, I had a lot of success in the 80s and 90s, and then, and then it kind of all kind of fizzled out a little bit. And, and like a lot of actors end up doing their second, uh, second profession, which is painting and decorating. <laughs> and uh, um, so I ended up doing that, and I ended up, ended up doing that for like 10 years. And, and then I ended up painting and decorating, doing people's houses up. And, 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 I, and then I, had, I married my wife, and we had a couple of kids, and, and I really thought that that was going to be my life, you know. Painting, decorating. Painting, decorating, wow. doing people's houses up. And, and but but go, we're going to have to go back a little bit because where did the love of motorcycles come from or engines or going fast or whatever? Where did that all come from? I don't... I don't um, my father um, wasn't particularly into, into, uh, into, into motorbikes. I think um, he was big into horses. So when I was young, I used to ride a lot of horses and, and, and I loved that. Um, and then... Um, Barry, there was a guy called, um, I was about to say Barry Sheen for some bizarre reason, but anyway, you actually, can. I can tell you a story about Barry Sheen. Mm. Did, did, mm. So I, I'm sort of like a lot of us in the room, you know, amazing racing driver, uh, racing motorcyclist and, and great character and you, you, you know, you spend a lot of time with him. Um, but uh, a few years ago, a few years ago now, and I, I remember I, I ended up in this restaurant in Fulham and we had this big long table, about 12 of us on this long table. And my wife and I came, she was my girlfriend at the time. No, we just got married. And um, we sat at the end of the table and on the round table beside us was Barry Sheen, Damon Hill, Murray Walker. Um, uh, there was Coltard, you know, the one with the big chin um, and a couple of others. And I was looking over and, and there was all these Formula One drivers, but it was Barry Sheen. And I couldn't believe I was completely having spent my whole life meeting famous film stars and, 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 and all this kind of stuff. No real particular interest, but Barry Sheen, I didn't know what to do. So and anyway, I went off to the bathroom and when I came back, he was sitting in my, in my chair chatting my wife up. That, that would be Barry Sheen. <laughs> which is typically Barry Sheen. And, and, and I remember coming up behind him and all I could hear was he said, he said, Olivia, you're a gorgeous girl. Do you want to come to Australia with me? <laughs> and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, no, no, my wife doesn't want to come with you, but I do. <laughs> and, he, and I swear to God, he looked at me, looked at me up and down like that and he went, nah. <laughs> 
and off he went. And it was, it's the only time I've ever been, I can be more proud than, my, than Barry Sheen chatting up my wife. But mate, I've made you feel better about your new wife. I mean, you'd obviously chosen extremely yeah, well. well. Exactly. No, you know, no question but that was, about um, But it was interesting because, um, you know, when I was a kid in school and, and kids, you know, I'd be leaving to do a movie and come back to school and stuff. And people would, you know, it was a real sort of point of interest and, and stuff like that. And I didn't really, because it was so normal, because that's what I just grew up in. And I think you just grow up in whatever, you accept whatever it is when you're a kid. But um, Actually, I must just say, ironically, that's how I met Barry Sheen. I was racing at Brands Hatch as an amateur club racer. He was there as a judge for an event called Stars of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. And... Um, he came up to me, I didn't win it, I finished second or something, he came up to me and he said, he said, I actually voted for you and I really think you should have won it, but actually you just wanted to meet my girlfriend. Yeah, that's exactly, that sounds about right. We have something in common there, that's all it was about. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, so I, I suppose that was interesting. And, and, um, but uh, bizarrely, um, uh, and I remember um, one of the kids in school was saying, oh, well, you know, he asked me who my godfather was and I had... I, I didn't really understand. Anyway, I said, well, a, a guy called um, Lee Marvin is my godfather. I didn't think that... They... He just thought you were starving, uh, yeah. as in. <laughs> um, exactly. And, and, um, uh, and that's really how my father ended up in America, really, was, was because Lee they Marvin... They clearly worked together. Yeah, and they worked together. They, they made a film called um, uh, Leo, um, uh, uh, Point Blank. I don't know if anyone saw that. It's a fantastic film. And... Um, uh, and so, and the Lee Marvin has seen one of my dad's movies, it's a film called um, Catch Us If You Can with the Dave Clark Five. All right. The yeah. Dave Clark Five. Yeah. Well, by the time he made the movie with the Dave Clark Five, they were, um, they were out of favor, so the film didn't do very well. But, um, but anyway, so, but Lee Marvin had seen it and, and said, I want you to make my next movie. They went to the States and, um, and he, uh, they made the movie and the film was massively successful. And, um, and that's how sort of dad's career launched. But, but Lee was, he was quite a, he was quite a character. And, and he, um, he was a big drinker as well. He'd been, he was a US Marine. I don't know if anybody knew that, but he fought in the South Pacific. Oh, really? And, um, and he lost his whole battalion to a, to a uh, they were ambushed. And everybody, was, everybody was, was killed except for him and this other guy. And he was shot in the ass. Uh, he didn't tell anybody that because, you know, being shot in the ass represents you potentially being running away yeah. so, um, and being a marine that's not what you really want to anyway his friend went back picked him up and carried him out and anyway so and that's probably why he was a big drinker mm. but I remember this one particular story about uh, he was in um, they'd just done Point Blank it was massive success and they were in Malibu um, on the PCH on Malibu Pier there was a famous restaurant in the in the 60s there and, um, and Lee had gotten really drunk and they came out of the restaurant and with my dad and my mum and my two older sisters and, and they'd walk into the, to the, uh, to the car park to the car and dad said look give me a keys you're, you're drunk you're not driving and, um, uh, and, and anyway they started this fight huh. in the car park and, and they were tussling and dad managed to grab the keys off Lee Marvin and he ran to the car and he, put him, he got in the driver's side, wound up the window and locked the door and Lee was pounding on the, on the door and my sisters were diving into the car on the other side and he, he, he wouldn't get in the car. So eventually he, 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 um, he climbed up onto the roof of the car and he wouldn't get off the roof of the car. And so my father thought, oh. Anyway, so he thought, well, it's only a mile down the road. I'll just 
drive down. So anyway, so he, he carries drives along. He gets onto the PCH, which is one of the busiest roads in, in Los Angeles. And, and he's driving up the road. And just as he's driving up the road, this police motorbike <laughs> comes up the other way. And of course, the police motorbike sees this. The lights come on, comes around, and he pulls Dad over. <clears throat> and, you know, you can imagine now all of Lee's attention is on this policeman who's walking up to him and he's saying all the most terrible words you can possibly imagine. This and the policeman's just ignoring him and goes up to the driver's side and he taps on my dad's window. And, and dad rolls down the window thinking, oh, here we go. And the, and the policeman leans in and he goes, he says, sir, do you realize that Lee Marvin is on the roof of your car? <laughs> and my father says, oh, yes, I, I, I do know that. And he goes, okay, that's fine, sir. Have a nice evening. Wow. <laughs> And off he went.
Weisberg and Steve Mandel, uh, who were the actual people that played those banjos. It wasn't Charlie. Uh, in his dad's film Deliverance back in 1972. Now back to Charlie and uh, how he got interested in motorbikes. So, so the, yeah, so the motorbike started... Uh, so I was riding horses and stuff, and I kept hearing this little... Mm. Um, there was a guy called Jason Connery, um, who's a great old friend of mine, who's Sean Connery's son. We're, um, <coughs> we're not name-dropping at all tonight. <laughs> I know. Well, <coughs> you know, that's what happens when you have a dad like that. But... Um, and Dad and Sean Connery made a movie together okay. um, called Zardos. And if you Google it at home, he, Sean's um, outfit is basically this kind of red nappy that he wears. It's pretty, a pretty out there movie. A- anyway, J- Jason and I got on really well. There was a little Honda monkey bike in the garage right. um, of Dad's house that he was keeping for someone. And Jason and I got it out and we started it and rode it around. That was sort of one of the first times we rode a bike. Um, and then I... I kept hearing a two-stroke bike um, in the village, and I eventually found this guy called Tommy Rochford, and he had a Mako 400, which at the time, the Mako was a... Mm. was the was the bee's bit of a monster, actually, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, with the mm. beautiful cylinder head with mm. big fins. Mm. I don't know if you remember. It used to kick like a bastard when you tried to start it. Was yeah, it was, it was brutal. Mm. And, and, uh, um, and anyway, so I finally, and I finally convinced him to give me a go. So he started the bike. He put me on the bike because I, I was not quite tall enough to fit the pedals and in first gear I just went around this field and fell off <laughs> and that was it and I was convinced been doing it ever since and ever since falling <laughs> off yeah but uh, and that, that's kind of how it started and and and, um, uh, and then in between the movies and, and traveling around the world I um, I rode motorbikes and my acting career kind of peaked in the late 80s and and, um, and I was traveling around the world it was brilliant I was getting movies and um, but my problem really was that I was uh, I was choosing the movies for the locations around right. the world rather than the so someone said oh there's a movie going on in Africa and I went right I'm gone I'm out there and then I'd read the script on the plane and think this is shit. <laughs> but, um, but the location was amazing you know and, and so my career sort of slowly started to I, I think you away. need to blame the manager your agent somewhere my dad oh well, yeah. right okay it's very difficult and, then um, so and, and so my career kind of sort of started to fizzle out. And that's when I started doing this sort of 10 years of painting and decorating. And in between those 10 years, I would, I would make the odd movie. And, and, and that's kind of how I met Ewan. I, I was about to say, I, I don't know when you first met Ewan but, uh, Ewan, but I met you first, and I think it was around late 90s, 2000 time. Yeah. And Ewan's brother, Colin, would been in the RAF. I think he was a Red Arrows pilot, wasn't he? He was, um, yeah, he was Tornadoes. Tornadoes, but I'm sure he had a spell in Red Arrows. But possibly, yeah, he was definitely a display team here, and yeah. he was a he was a squadron leader during the Gulf War. Right, and um, I, th- I think he, like a lot of people, he became um, uh, confused about about being there. Right, and so that that was one of the reasons why he left. Well, anyway, uh, and I have a brief chat to you early, which you can just about remember, I think. But uh, he started up a business, or tried to start up a business up in Scotland, and we all met in Edinburgh. First time I ever met you, and he was going to have a, a company renting BMW motorcycles for people to tour around Scotland and he was going to take them around and everything else and we all went for a ride and I don't think you'd ridden a great deal of road riding at that point had you? This was fairly on in your career because I remember following you Um, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, Colin was there and there was a guy called John Reynolds a British superbike champion and everything else and we all rode up around Scotland and then press came along and this this is kind of the first time I met you but from there on in 
Charlie Borman just became this person, along with Ewan as well, just rode up and down the world, round it, inside, outside, and everything else. So there was obviously clearly something that attracted you to that, unless it was just the fact you didn't like painting and decorating. <laughs> that was a big thing. Well, I think um, you and I met on a, on a film called The Serpent's Kiss, um, and uh, it, was, it was Ewan McGregor, Pete Bothelswaite, uh, Greta Scacchi, Richard E. Grant... And, and myself, and, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the right. movies. You know, this is my big comeback. Anyway, we made the films great fun. You and I became great friends. I remember the first conversation I had with him, I knew he, he owned a, a Modiguchi in California. And um, we met in this pub, as you do in Ireland, with the crew. And we started chatting about motorbikes, and, and, and here we are today. And I was, I was talking to him this afternoon, and we were talking about motorbikes. I'd just got a new bike, and... We were talking about it, and um, uh, and um, and the film turned out to be really shit. So that was another, you know, golden opportunity missed. Um, I think it was so, it was so good that it went straight to DVD and then straight to the bin. I don't think it even made. I don't think it ever got a cinematic release. But um, uh, but, but a friendship kind of built from there, as and and we just stayed friends. I think when you make movies and travel around the world, you you make very intense friendships while you're making the movie, and then you, a bit like, I suppose, motorcycle racing teams, you make intense, mm. intense friendships, and then you move on to the next team or the next movie, and, you, you, you know, you don't necessarily move on with those, with those people. And, and, and so with you and I, somehow we just managed, we just ended up um, seeing each other more and more of each other, doing stuff like with Colin. We used to go and do track days and anything with motorbikes we would yeah, do. Help. Yeah. We helped run a, a motorbike race team up for, for a while. We, we had um, David Jeffries and Matt Llewellyn. Okay, yeah. And we had the British Superstock Series and, and, um, <clears throat> and we came first and second in the British Superstock Series. But when they did the pit lane walkabouts when you had to sign, um, you know, all the riders would sign their, their autographs, we always had the biggest pull of people because our, um, our sponsor was page3.com. Oh, right. so okay. We were handing out um, uh, page three girls. Page three um, posters. Yeah. And so, anyway, everyone kept going for that. And so we did all, all of that together. You know, is what we and did. whose idea was it to do the first trip then? Long Way Down was the first one? Long Way Round. Long Way Round, right. First one. How um, did that come about? Whose uh, idea was that? Well, I, th I think it came by that, that you know, you and I um, uh, started. Uh, talking about doing it, you know, we'd go off for weekends and then we thought it'd be nice to do a longer journey. And, and then we first sort of spoke about going from London down to south of Spain and meeting our, our wives and family down there mm. for a holiday and then maybe riding back. And I remember one day, he, you and rang me up and he said, Charlie, look, I've got this great idea, I think you should come to the house. So I went over to the house with Ollie and we had dinner and he had this map of the world um, on the table and he said, look, he said, forget Spain. He said, um, Ev, his wife, first wife, was, was, um, had, was brought up in China. He said, why don't we ride to China? And, um, and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. And, uh, and then I remember my wife saying, well, well how, long is, how long is that going to be? And, and, and we said, I don't know, about, I don't know, about three and a half months. And, oh, no, four and a half months, we said. And, and, and both of them said, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I don't want to get rid of us. Um, and, and, then, um, and then we met this amazing guy um, who had a website called Millennium Ride, and he'd done the Road of Bones, which is that last bit of road you can do in Russia. Okay. And it's the last, um, to get to Magadan is the kind of last 
most northerly last place you can go. And, and so instead of going to China, we ended up going to Magadan. We thought, well, if we get to Magadan, we may as well just hop over to Alaska and carry on to New York. So that's kind of, it was a bit like that, really. And the funding? And Well, it was, so I, I didn't have any money because I was painting and decorating. You and it just had just done Star Wars, so he was minted. Mm. But then, you know, being Scottish, I wasn't going to get any of that. So <laughs> uh, we had to think of another way. And um, uh, so we started sort of having a look around, and, 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 um, uh, and someone, a friend of ours, mentioned about a book. It would, you know, two friends traveling around the world, not really knowing what to do or where they were going, kind of with a vague idea, would make a really good book. So the book idea came quite quite quickly and, and because of Ewan's name you know, you know we, we, we managed to sort of get, get that but then, but then so we got this kind of book deal but then both I said to Ewan Jesus I'm, I'm dyslexic I can't write and Ewan goes well I'm dyslexic I can't write and so we thought well how are we going to we got the money how are we going to make this, this book anyway so came up with this idea of, of, of um, uh, doing like video diaries Right. We would you know, experience the day, do the video dies, film a little bit. And then what we'd do, we found this, this great guy who would, who would sit with us and, and we would work, the, work it out together mm -hmm. and, and, mm -hmm. and stuff. And, and he did a brilliant job of... Because it's difficult when you're sharing the book. Yeah. You, each chapter or whoever's talking about the chapter you, you know, has to have a different... You have to feel the different voice. So he did a brilliant job with that. So, so we thought we'd do that. And then we thought, oh God, well, if we're, if we're filming it and doing all this kind of stuff, we may as well, why don't we just film it and make, just cut something together? And we thought making a TV show would be, would be really easy because Ewan McGregor's in it. And anyway, so I remember we went to these pitches and said, well, this is what we're doing, but we don't really know what's going to happen or really where we're going. And, stuff. and you can see the TV people going, glazing over, going, well, that's an interesting TV show, isn't it? <laughs> you don't know where you're going. You don't know what's going to happen. You're not sure if you'll make it and all this kind of stuff. So it didn't make a TV thing really well. Um, and uh, so we were really struggling to, to get the TV people on board. So Ewan was making another Star Wars movie in Australia. So we flew out. To Australia and then we went for a weekend Ewan and I rented some bikes and we did like a little trailer, a little teaser of what it would be like and, um, and, we th and while we were out there we thought we'd, we'd approach one of the channels in, in, in Australia so we, I think it was Channel 8 or Channel 10, can't remember. Anyway we sat down, Ewan was working so it was just myself and Russ and Dave, the two producers and, uh, um, and we pitched the story to them about two guys going around the world you know all this kind of stuff and, and we gave him the pitch and, and we said, what do you think? And he goes, do you want me to tell you what I really think? And we said, yes, we really want to know. And he goes, I think two riding around the world. That's what I think. And so that was that. So, but, but they changed yeah, the name of it. Anyway, a year and a half later, we sold it to them for a fortune. Really? <laughs> yeah. Honestly. But anyway, but, but, but so, so the TV thing didn't, didn't come very easily and it only came at the last minute. Um, anyway, we went off and, and sort of blindly went off not really knowing what, what we were doing. Brooklyn's News. The restoration work on the clubhouse continues, so expect some disruption if you are visiting the museum in that area. 
Uh, we have uh, two more Members Talks events uh, coming up uh, featuring uh, Tony Jardine, the TV presenter and driver, on the 20th of October, and uh, car designer Peter Stevens on the 17th of November. In the museum, uh, you'll find the Autumn Motorsport Day, which is always a good day with lots of uh, racing, competing vehicles there on the 9th of October. And then the Emergency Services Day on the 16th of October, which was postponed uh, from uh, a couple of weeks ago. Then to round off the month, we have the London Bus Museum Transport Fest on the 23rd of October. And don't forget Half Term from the 22nd to the 30th of October. Then uh, we'll be exploring the history of aviation with airheads. And don't forget that all the information about Brooklyn's Museum can be found on their website at brooklynsmuseum.com. Thanks for listening.